So let me ask you, do you move well, eat well, and sleep well? Do you feel that modern medicine is looking out for your best interest? Do you know how to take care of your body so you can stay pain-free and in the activities you love? Do you know what options you have? If not, that's a problem, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Trevor Fulter, and welcome to the Green Bay Health Project Podcast. Green Bay Health Project podcast is sponsored by Movement Performance and Rehabilitation, where we help the athletes and active adults move better, perform better, stay pain-free, and in the sports and activities that they love. We do this by focusing on their movements and optimizing their mobility, stability, and strength. Your body is your greatest tool, and when you move better, you feel better, and you thrive. So head to movementgb.com, that's mvmtgb.com, to learn how we can help you stay active and pain-free for life. What's going on, guys? It's Trevor with the Green Bay Health Project podcast, and today we're joined by Kelsey Morrow of Healthy Healing Solutions. Um, Kathy is a licensed professional counselor and sports psychology consultant, um, and I believe your practice is down in Appleton, correct? Yep, it is just kind of right over by the Fox River Mall down here in Appleton. Awesome, awesome. So, I mean, first and foremost, thanks for uh, taking some time. I know Erica set this up and is said to be a good conversation. So here we are. All right. <laughs> so why don't, don't you tell us a little more about your uh, yourself, your background, kind of how this all came to be? Yeah. So I guess just a little bit about me. Um, you kind of mentioned it is I, I have two practices kind of running simultaneously within each other. So I have Healthy Healing Solutions, which is primarily my mental health practice, working in behavioral health. And then I also simultaneously have MVP Sports Performance Enhancement, which is more geared toward athletes and sports psychology-based things. Um, I find that they crisscross and kind of intermingle so frequently that just doing both was easier than trying to focus in one or the other so that I don't have to necessarily always lose my clientele because a lot of times working with athletes, it'll become a mental health thing and I have to refer out if I'm not licensed or vice versa. I'll be working with somebody who came in for anxiety, but it's all sports related. And so I'm like, okay, well, let me apply my sports thing. So having both kind of just goes, goes along a little bit better for me. And so, but I got started really, I mean, I've been playing hockey my whole life since I was probably about four years old. So that kind of is what sparked the sports interest and um, played all the way up through college at UW-Stevens Point. And then psych kind of took in as that was the career path that I had chosen. And I went to UW-Oshkosh to get my master's in clinical mental health and then took a bunch of courses in sports psych and have some certificates that I'm working towards to kind of get that through the Association of Applied Sports Psychology and and make everything official. But uh, I started just at a facility. It was called CHAPS Academy back when I graduated, and it was a mental health facility for suicide intervention and prevention, and we used equine. So we had horses on on site and on staff. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where my background started with the mental health piece of things. And 
I really loved having that outside of the box ability of, of working with the horses. And it wasn't just sitting in an office working on people's problems, but really using alternative methods. And so then when that kind of folded and dissolved, I was left with, okay, go find an office job somewhere or do something on my own. And so that's where opening my practices started because I wanted to be able to have that flexibility, that freedom to do things in unique ways and use alternative methods, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit later on that sometimes you don't always get to use if you're kind of being regulated by by certain identities and, and pieces in there. So that is kind of where it established. I've been up and running now for, I believe, gosh, this April was seven years. So it's it's cruising right along. That's for sure. Yeah, that's really cool. That's that's a lot, good amount of time to be yeah. up and going. Yeah, so far so good. I, I kind of started it going, well, if I fail, I'll always go find a job somewhere else. And if I succeed, then awesome. I got a, a lifetime of doing something all on my own and being my own boss. And so far so good. Can't complain. <laughs> that's the thing, right? It's like, that, that's kind of our mindset too. It's especially something I try to focus on is like, what's the worst that can happen? Like, luckily, like, luckily we have degrees where we can go find a job. Like if, things yep. were really go south like worst comes to worst yeah but like hey we succeed we're doing something we love day in and day out right absolutely that's what it's about so um i i love the mix you you talked about right off the bat the mix of like mental health and athletes and athletes and mental health and i mean just doesn't always have to be athletes obviously but just that world i mean they intertwine so close and a lot of people don't give enough credit to one or to the other um so like what do you do you see quite a bit of overlap i mean is that pretty much why you started both yeah i mean absolutely i I think one my just love for for sports and growing up playing hockey kind of led me to like i always wanted to do it and then um, honestly, it was working in the suicide prevention field that also kind of led me back to sports because having done that for the three or four years, I was an intern. And then right away after I graduated, I realized that uh, one of the biggest things that happens for mental health therapists is burnout. And mm-hmm. having done suicide, which is such a heavy topic, I was like, okay, if I just do mental health, if all I ever talk about is trauma and all of the super, super negative things in, in life, I'm going to be burnt out by the time I'm 40 and not have a career to, to fall back on. And so kind of having the passion and the love of hockey and then that that kind of push of like, OK, I have to find a way to lighten the load a little bit brought me to that mixture of, OK, so if I incorporate sports, that's kind of like my fun. Like that's my hey, this is fun. It's exciting. Don't get me wrong. There's still trauma. There's still heavy things that we deal with. But it's also a little bit different. It's a different dynamic than just the straight mental health side of things. And then as I got into it, I definitely just saw the mixture. And I was like, okay, how does anybody ever do sports psych if they don't have a degree in mental health? (laughs) And and vice versa. Like if you're doing mental health and you're working with anybody, because it's not just athletes, it's all performances. So it's, you know, you have, you know, a job or a project at work that you're working on and there's anxiety, there's stress, there's all these things. It's all still performance based. And so, you know, it goes to artists to musicians all sorts of performances not just athletes i just work primarily with athletes because it's just more my passion but there's people who use the same same concepts and tactics in those other areas of performance as well Mm -hmm. and i think that's important for people to to know and hear as well is that 
athletes is using like usually you think of like hockey football basketball baseball like those kind of things but performance is kind of the whole thing right i mean athletes are we we say that all the time doesn't matter what you're wanting to do if you're in some type of performance-based job which most people are that Mm -hmm. kind of falls under that category because there's stress there's um objectives there's deadlines there's things that got to get done you're always going um and it's i nowadays you hear i think there's more voices being heard about that side of things which is super super important and i'm I'm glad to see it finally happening yeah no me too it's been a field that i've been learning about and passionate about for years but it's definitely still on the back burner but it's it's making noise it's at least starting to boil and people are starting to understand that it's it's everywhere it's not just you know people who are mentally ill it's your every average day person who's has different struggles that can still be addressed and worked on i always that's one of my biggest emphasis and i when i talk to my athletes at the schools is don't come see me just when something's wrong like work with me utilize me i can be of service before you hit the point where things are going wrong like let's be proactive about this not reactive type of thing i love it and i was gonna say when you're so that's what that was gonna be my comment so you're saying be more proactive a lot of people wait until that fire is kind of going all crazy right they wait and then they, they put it out they start to feel better and they're like okay i'm good now and it's like well why did that happen in the first place so that's kind yeah. of your philosophy and and thought process as well yep the, those are my favorite clients the ones who come when they're starting to notice that things are starting to go wrong versus are ready totally crash and burned because it takes a lot longer a lot more effort on my part and theirs to get them back to full functioning and so even even when there's nothing going wrong like especially with my athletes primarily i'm like don't you just want to be better you go to practice every day you lift every day you do these other things that make you better the same thing applies to the mental side of the sport is you can be getting better. There are skills, techniques, tactics that I have that I can teach you and train you in that are just going to make you better. You don't have to have anything wrong to be able to do those things. Mm -hmm. Do you think there, I'm curious to hear this. Do you think a lot of the stressors and mental health things for in your athletes are from a performance standpoint? Are they from, a like pressure standpoint like what's pressure looking like these days uh through the through the roof (laughs) i think expectations and pressures from from everybody from coaches from schools from parents i think unfortunately parents are one of the biggest culprits that i hear from my young people of Mm -hmm. where the pressure is coming from unintentionally and obviously with 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 the best of hearts but it's still you know can't let mom or dad down can't disappoint they they want me to do this type of thing and so all of those even even friends even you know other family members all of that there's just a substantial amount of press pressure that these kids are under to to be involved and then to do well and and be involved i mean you think about i don't know what it was like for you but i'm i'm in my 30s and i look back to when i played hockey and I thought it was kind of insane then what I was doing. Like I was traveling. I grew up down near Milwaukee, but I was playing on a team up in Madison or down in Chicago. So I was still traveling an hour and a half, two hours just to go to practice at 16, 17 years old, um, not getting home till two in the morning and going to bed, things like that. And I thought I was kind of pushing it at all all ends of the spectrum there just to play hockey. And I look at kids now, you know, 15, 20 years later, and the expectations of 
how many practices they have to be at, what they're expected to do, you know, even just the regime of it's all year round. There's no off season anymore. Like I at least got my summers off where I didn't have hockey unless I wanted to go to a camp or do something that doesn't exist. I mean, kids have their schedule the day the season ends. There's, there's the summer schedule, there's the next thing. And so I think we're seeing that play out in that increased mental health and, and pressures. I think ironically, when I first opened the sports side of my business, I want to say my first, like probably 10 athletes came because they wanted to quit. That, that's what I was working on is working through that decision on if I should keep playing or should I quit because I'm burnt out, I'm pushed to my max. And I was like, oh my God, is this really what I want to do either? Like, I don't want to just work with athletes. I'm going to have no clients because people are going to think I'm convincing everybody to quit their sports. <laughs> but it was just what was coming in the door because that's what was going on for people. Yeah, that's the, in today's world, I mean, like, like you said, I'm in my thirties as well. And like, it was always like, I was very lucky. I, my parents pushed me to do multiple sports. If I wanted to, they didn't try to like push me or change my mind. It was like, Hey, why don't you do these things? If you find something you really enjoy, like go ahead. But it wasn't like season's over. Now we're rolling into the next season of the same sport. Okay. Then we got to train. Then we got to practice. Then we got to travel. Then we got to do the games. And <laughs> like, I don't know how people handle that especially kids with school and homework. And I mean, the hormonal changes of just growing up, everything else, like it is, it's overwhelming for me to think about. Absolutely. It's why for my sports side of my business and my mental health, just because I, I have a preference, but specifically with sports and performance, I won't work with kids under 14, 15 years old because they already have so much on their plate. Even if you're coming just because things are going well and they want to get better, I still won't do it until they're at least teenagers because there's already so much on their plates. Giving them one more appointment, one more person, one more homework, one more thing to work on is just too much. I, I honestly don't even love doing it for high school athletes, but it, it is part of the culture that is evolving and, and that's coming up is even high schoolers are, you know, they got to make decisions. They got to be ready. They got to be, if they want to play at that next level, you know, that's something that unfortunately starts when they're 10, 11 years old sometimes. And so I, I don't love it, but I do it because I know it's just something I can't escape with the work that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess I do want to provide those services in terms of if I can get in there early enough at young enough ages with high schoolers to teach them that balance, because that's another important thing we talk about is, OK, so here's skills, here's all these things. But part of your overall health is, you know, you got to sleep, you got to rest, you have to take time off. And so I am a little bit of a devil's advocate in that regards so if they hear messages from me that they're probably not hearing from other coaches or adults in their lives and at least hopefully makes them think about what's best for their physical and mental health too yeah yeah I, I think it's incredible and it's very needed work that you're doing with them um i want to transition kind of to some of the other techniques and stuff you're using but i do have one other question I, i'm really curious to hear what you say what are some symptoms that you might see in these athletes that are like burnout overtraining um, things to look out for so that maybe people can catch it on the front end, especially now. I mean, there's been stories of these college athletes coming out, yes. um, like of suicide things. I mean, I think the most recent was a, a Wisconsin uh, yeah. volleyball athlete. If I don't, if I remember correctly, I that's correct. Yeah. Um, are, are there things that people can look out for to catch this before it becomes too extreme and too far gone? Yeah. 
Absolutely. I think for, for any athlete is, and even any person, honestly, is a lot of those signs start with just your basic, you know, personality shifts and changes. So, you know, has, is that person who you've known your whole life to be this giant goofball? Are they kind of now just quiet? Are they shutting down? Are they reserved? Um, if you're a parent, is your kid sleeping? You know, are they starting to have sleep problems? Are you noticing them up all at all different hours of the night or they're exhausted and reporting just being tired all day long? Um, grades are another one, especially for student athletes, is if you start to see the grades slipping, something's going on because student athletes are motivated by grades. They can't play unless their grades are well. And so any athlete who's struggling with grades, they don't want to be struggling because otherwise they can't play. So if something's going on there, it's a pretty big indication that there's more happening. Um, and the, the key with that one is to focus on helping them with their grades because they are students first. And so not being like, oh, we got to get your grades up so you can play. But hey, this is a signal. Something's telling me something's wrong. Let's work on what's happening as a whole, not just focused on the athlete part of it again. Um, other things are just irritability. I think I see a lot of kids who just get crabby and snappy and short with, with friends, with parents, with uh, significant others, things like that. Um, and then the other one's just kind of lack of interest. I, I see a lot of kids who just start, you know, withdrawing from things that they normally found pleasure in, whether it be the sports themselves. So not wanting to go to practice, not even really getting excited or f having fun at games, kind of that fun is the big one. So all those athletes I mentioned that came in that were starting to talk about wanting to quit, we were, that was one of the questions I first asked. I said, are you having fun? And not a single one of them answered yes. And so that's a huge one is if your kid is not having fun, or even as an adult, if you're not having fun performing, doing what you're doing, something's wrong. There should always be fun in what we're doing, especially sports. And so those are just some of the things to keep an eye out for. I mean, I could probably take this whole podcast and give you a <laughs> list of things, but mm -hmm. that's just a handful of the big ones. But that mm -hmm. kind of lack of interest and, and having fun is a huge one to watch out for. Perfect. Yeah. And I, I like what you said about it. It not only applies to athletes but people in general um yes. and that'll kind of shift so you have on some specialty things techniques that yes. you utilize um and so i think the first one i want to ask you about and explain and go into more detail about is brain spotting i don't think people yeah. are super familiar with it so if you can tell us a little more about that how it works um and basically everything you got yeah, so I'll I'll try to simplify it because it's a it's a very complicated process. I mean, <laughs> I've been trained in it now for God, I want to say ten years, maybe nine. Um, but and I've gone through probably five, six different trainings, and I think sometimes the science of it still goes over my head once in a while. Yeah. Uh, so so in a nutshell version, brain spotting is a brain body based therapy technique. And so what I mean by that is it's something that's going to incorporate your whole body. So it's going to bring up somatic physical sensations and we're going to work with those as well as the cognitive and mental piece of things and connect the two. So a lot of times, sometimes if we're doing just regular talk therapy, we're missing the connection to the body and, and what's going on there and vice versa. If you're just doing physical therapy or other treatments, you're not always attuned to what's happening with the person's brain during those moments. And so brain spotting really gives us a chance to to connect those two and kind of the the theory that brain spotting got developed off of and now is kind of more proven is that um, brain spotting taps into our and harnesses our brain and our body's self-scanning and self-healing ability to kind of locate process and then release maladaptive behaviors and traumas and things that we've been holding on to um, 
So that's kind of the the theory of it and where it came from and where it got developed. It, it actually got developed by Dr. David Grand back in, I want to say, 2003. So it's been around a, a while now, still newer in the terms yeah, of, of the psychology still. world. It's very mm-hmm. new, but but definitely adding years to its its belt and its repertoire as it goes. Um, and it actually started, he was working with a figure skater and the figure skater was having troubles performing certain jumps. And he noticed an, an eye tremor with the, with the figure skater as they were talking about things. And he actually just had that figure skater hold an eye position that he found with his finger where she was having those tremors in her eyes. And as he did that, just a, a, you know, a ton of trauma started spilling out. She just started talking about all this childhood trauma and other things that were going on. And as they probably process more and more and more after a certain amount of time and sessions had passed and they processed through all those traumas that was coming out. She had no more problems. She went out and performed her jumps and everything was perfectly fine again. And it was all just kind of locked up in that trauma. So that is kind of what sparked this dive into, okay, what the heck was that? How did this work? And so you talked about, you know, how does brain spotting work? So I kind of told you what it what it looks like or what it does, but what it looks like is just that the kind of motto of brain spotting is where you look affects how you feel. And so it's all based on eye positioning. And so there's no there's no physical contact. I don't touch anybody. It's all based on your visual field. And so it is all about, you know, if you look to your left, if you look to your center and you look to your right after we bring up an activation point or a topic, then you're going to feel differently physically in your body. You might notice more tension. There might be a shake. Your eyes might twitch or tremor. There's going to be some kind of physical response that your body has to where you are just looking based on the topic that we brought up that we wanted to work on and process. Um, And again, that's all just that connection between your brain, your body, and how it all works together to actually heal because we have that self-healing ability. That's interesting. So the topic, obviously, it will vary person to person because everybody has their own stuff. I mean, for lack of a better term, correct? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So is it a topic that you guys have talked about? And you know, is it like looking for a specific trigger or is it like... Mm -hmm. How does that work? Yeah. So so this is kind of my, my favorite and worst part about brain spotting because I, I jokingly tell people is this is the hardest part is picking that activation point or that topic that we want to work on because you can brain spot absolutely anything. As long as there is even an ounce of activation around a topic, you can brain spot it. And so it can be as specific as, you know, I got yelled at by my mom yesterday and it really, it's still bothering me. I can just hear her words ringing through my head and we can start with that and we can brain spot that event that just happened as far back to, it could be even kind of subconscious processes of you could come in as, as a person and just be like, you know what, for three weeks straight, I have just been having elbow pain and I went to PT, I went to doctors, they say there's nothing wrong, I can't figure out why, but it's still there and we can just start with, okay, you have a pain in your elbow, let's find a spot where your body's reacting and connecting to that based on your visual field and see what your body does and, and release things. So you can really start with anything. It could be a predetermined, hey, let's talk, let's narrow it down and kind of find out a specific trigger, activity, event, memory, um, phrase, whatever it is. Or it could be a sensation, a concept. I have a lot of people who are just like, I'm just anxious today. And as mm-hmm. long as they can start to identify where that anxiety is in their body, which we practice and we work on and improve, 
then we can just brain spot, okay, that anxiety, you're carrying it in your chest today. Let's just find a spot that matches that connection right then and there and kind of brain spot from there. Interesting. This yeah. is interesting. <laughs> so is, I mean, there can, so there, at times it can be like one simple trigger that's like pretty upfront, but I'm, I'm sh- sure that there are also like times where it's multi-layered and you kind of have to work the most, I mean, uh-huh. just a, for a picture, superficial to kind of get underneath the, to the deeper stuff. Yeah. The, the cool part is that that body self healing ability. And so, mm-hmm. so the cool thing with brain spotting is, is you don't have to know how it all makes sense or what came first or where it came from is it's going to go wherever it needs to, to be able to find and release all those traumas. Cause essentially kind of what happens is our bodies are like giant sponges. And so, and our minds are super complex. And so what happens for a lot of people is when they go through a negative or an adverse experience, they mentally kind of block it out. They, they move on mm-hmm. from it. They kind of dissociate whatever they have to do to be able to survive and keep going. So, you know, they convince themselves that they're fine, all these things. So our head has that ability to kind of let things go, quote unquote, but really not really. They just kind of forget about it, put it on the back burner, shove it in the closet, whatever it is. But what happens is your body's that sponge, it's soaked up every last little bit of what just happened. And so it's kind of like these these traumas or these negative experiences that people go through kind of are held in little capsule forms in your body. So it's just being held onto. So it's kind of like that metaphor when you hear people talk about, you know, the luggage that everybody carries around mm-hmm. or, or the junk, all those things that we talk about. That's what's being stuck and stored in your body that we have to actually release. And so when we talk about like what is a brain spot, a brain spot is actually kind of seen as an eye position that correlates with a physiological kind of capsule that holds that trauma experience in memory form. And so that's what we're talking about with the eye position and the body connection is we're finding where in that body did that adverse experience find a little hole and make a home in and how do we help now dissolve it and release it and let it go. Interesting. Yeah, the whole time you were talking about that i'm reading a book um and in that book you know in a recent part that i'm in it was a u.s navy seal who was talking about having like a locked cabinet in their mind where they put stuff when they come back and just to help them continue on but um so it that's kind of what you're talking about right like people will tuck things away but they don't realize that the body is still capable and is going to be holding on to that Mm -hmm. absolutely that's that's a good way to kind of summarize it in a different form is yep your mind is the most powerful muscle in the entire body and so it has that ability to adapt and it's going to but what people don't know is your body doesn't have that same capability you have to release what your body's hanging on to and that's where a lot of ptsd trauma peeps kind of struggle because they just want to forget they just want to not deal with it but they can't because that's where then you're seeing these symptoms of of flashback anxiety depression you know mm-hmm. chronic pain all of those things are connected and associated to that thing that you're torn in your brain that you don't think about but it's still there and still present with you every single day it's just coming out physiologically instead huge that is huge what you just said and that's mm-hmm. the the mind body connection the energy that can cause physical pain like it's all intertwined and if you Absolutely. take like that simple, it's just this approach, the person, I mean, you're doing a huge disservice to that individual. 
Yeah. Because it's it's so intertwined. The body is so connected. It, it really is. And I wish I could could show everybody, but kind of I, I have this little brain that I use when I explain it to my clients and I kind of point out. So there's a there's a huge difference between talk therapy and brain spotting. And the biggest difference is what part of your brain is actually activated and being used when you're brain spotting. And so I kind of point out, so there's kind of the front, if you think about your forehead, that's kind of what we call your frontal lobe area of your brain. And that's what's most active when we're just doing talking and conversation. So even what we're doing, we're both pretty active in that frontal lobe part of our brain right now. And so in therapy, that's okay. And that's great because that's where we conceptualize It's where we make sense of things. It's the part of our brain responsible for words and sentences. And yet it is also the most, you know, judgmental and critical part of our brain as well. And so it can also get in our own way of healing sometimes because of that. And it's, it's the slowest part of our brain. So it moves and processes the slowest because it's responsible for so many things. And so that's kind of what you're using when you're doing traditional talk therapy. But then when you're doing brain spotting, you are actually processing where your eyes connect to your brain, which is actually more in the hind. So kind of if you tap the back of your head, you're almost processing from the back of your head instead of the front of your head. And so there's the occipital lobe where your eyes connect in the back of your brain. And that's where you're actually processing from because we're using that visual field and that's a lot closer to the areas of your brain that um hold on to muscle memories because you can drop down into the brain stem and and use that body piece of things it's also where emotions are regulated and other things are being stored and so we have just more quick direct access to those parts of your brain when we're brain spotting than versus when we're doing talk therapy Mm. nice super interesting is this something that you will utilize based on what every what each person is coming into or is this something that kind of is it like its own thing i guess or does it overlap into other things a little bit of both so it really truly depends on the client if if it was just up to me i would brain spot everybody every day because that's how much i believe in it and how much i've seen happen and so like it wouldn't matter what you came in for i'd be like we're brain spotting it let's go if it were up to me. Now, unfortunately, people don't always understand it and the process. And so it can be intimidating and it can be a little scary. And so I, it sometimes takes some convincing to for people to give it a shot. And then even when you try it, I always say, I can't lie. It's weird. It's different. It's something that you've never experienced before. And so a lot of people get a little bit timid and, and scared of it because it also, it, it holds no prisoners. Like it, it is going to go wherever it needs to go. So it might tap into and bring up stuff that you didn't think it, that you're like, Oh, I didn't think I was going there today. And it said too bad. That's what's getting in the way. That's the block. That's what we need to process. And so that can be kind of, you know, in your face for some people. And so that's a process I have to work through with some people who aren't ready to dive full head on into things. Um, but it, it is, it's situational. I mean, there's definitely still other tactics, techniques, useful things that I do and that people come in for. And so while I would like to do it with everybody every day, it definitely is situational based. Um, I know one of the biggest things is because it's so intense is it's exhausting. And so sometimes mm. people need some recovery periods. And so I have a lot of clients who, who will do it one week, come in the next week and it's more just, okay, let's process what all came up from brain spotting. And we'll just talk about it because they need a break before the next big kind of dive into things. And so sometimes it can just be depend, dependent on like how much it took out of them in terms of physical exhaustion and go down that route. So to, to answer your question, a little bit of both, like a little bit of what people want and kind of what other things are necessary, but also it could be used 
every single time if I wanted to. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the recovery because that was going to be my, one of my last questions about brain spotting was how, <laughs> how big of a toll does it take on the person? Um, so I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And, and that's a hard one because everybody's different and every yeah. topic's different. You know, we can brain spot something that maybe isn't as, you know, super significant and traumatic and, and big. And we, and that might not take as much out of somebody. It might be like, Oh, I, I always joke. I have some people who are like, Oh my God, I need a nap and I need to go to bed after brain spotting. And I have a few, a handful of people who are like, Oh, I feel like a weight's been lifted and they're actually energized because we've released something and they're no mm-hmm. longer hanging on to it. And so it's so independent and and individual based that it's a hard answer, but just in general, it does, it's a lot. It's, I kind of always say, it's just like, if you ran a marathon, you need to recover. Well, brain spotting is like running a mental marathon because it has you going through all sorts of things in your brain that you're going to have to take some time and just let that settle a little bit once in a while. Yeah, it's big. It's big. Um, We have a couple of really close friends up here. I say up here like you're far away <laughs> um, that do like uh, sound energy therapy oh, work. And yep. it, it's like that, you know, I've um, done that. And it's like, sometimes I walk out and I'm like, oh, I feel better. And sometimes yeah. I walk out and I'm like, I need to go to sleep because yeah. I just feel drained. Your body needs um, to reset and rejuvenate. Exactly. Exactly. And it sounds like it's very similar feeling. Yeah. And it can, I, like you said, it can vary, I'm sure, based right. on the depths that you go to and kind of whatever you bring out that day. Yep. And especially because it can also vary in, in length. So, you know, sometimes Mm. we might brain spot something and we might be able to get to the bottom of it in, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And there's some things that if I have the time with a person, we might brain spot for 50, 60, 70 minutes if we have the time for it, because it's a complex intertwined issue. Um, So very, very interesting. And I guess the last thing I want to say about brain spotting before we move on is I always like to remind people too, is, well, we talked a lot about kind of the activation and kind of getting rid of and clearing out trauma and negative things. It can also be used. And I do this a lot with my athletes and performance is it can be used to enhance positive things. So if you, you know, let's say you want to build your confidence, we can brain spot, you know, and work on resource spots and growth spots and, and things that are going to grow things that we want more of as well. So that's the kind of cool pieces. I usually say we have to clear the trauma out first to make room for the good stuff. But absolutely, if there's positives, goods, I have, you know, I work with athletes a lot on finding, you know, the flow, the zone, all of those things. And so we can actually give them a spot that they can take into performances. So like, okay, yeah, when you're in the blocks ready to take off on a race, you have a specific eye specific eye position that you are going to sit in until that gun goes off or, you know, even an athlete who, you know, okay, you just struck out. There's going to be an eye position where you're going to go back to the dugout and sit in that eye position for even just a minute or two, but until you have to get back out there and help let your body, let that thing go right away. So it doesn't add up or build up into any type of problem. Um, So there's a lot of different ways. I mean, like I said, I could probably again, fill up another two podcasts with (laughs) and all of the different ways that it can be utilized in mental health and in sports because there's a never ending <laughs> array of it. Sounds powerful. Definitely sounds powerful. Definitely. Um, so there's a couple of other techniques that you um, utilize, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, talk about those, like the alpha stim and I think biofeedback, correct? Yeah, I do a little bit of both. Um, I have geared more into the brain spotting than both of them, just mm-hmm. because it's there's like I just said, so much to it. Yeah. But 
I do do a little bit of, I'll go biofeedback first because that's the one I do. I will admit I'll do the least of that just because it's not my full education and background. Mm -hmm. So I try not to go too far into anything that I'm not 100%, you know, trained and certified in. And so I use the bare, bare minimums. Um, so I have kind of just, it's a, it's a skin reader. So it just clips on people's fingertips and it hooks up to my computer and it really uh, basically kind of in most simplest forms just helps people see that mind body connection. So, it, you know, it's reading your pulse, it's reading your sweat, your sensations on your fingers, all of those things. And it's showing you in picture format on the screen, what's going on. And then what we work on is we work on how can you control what's happening on the screen based on your mind, your body. So we'll, we'll play around with it and show people just the power of the mind body connection. So, you know, I'll have people sit there and repeat, you know, a bunch of negative thoughts or something that they worry about and watch the screen spike and show the stress and all of the things and how their body's responding. And then we'll work on, you know, maybe positive affirmations or something good from there and watch how that reduces it. Um, breathing's a big one. So I have one of my favorite ones is it's a racing game. And so you, you control your car just through your breathing. So you have to be able to control your heart rate and your pulse, and you have to bring it down and sit in certain levels to get your car to, to go, to stop, to turn right, left. And it's all through your breathing. So, but it's all visual. So it really helps people just get more connected and in tune with your mind and your body are playing off of each other all day long, no matter what you're doing and how that plays into different aspects of performance as well as just your mental well-being and your mental health. And so that's kind of that piece of the biofeedback. Mm -hmm. um, and then you mentioned the Alpha Stim. So the Alpha Stim is actually just a, a tool that I use. So I like it because it can be used in conjunction with everything else we're doing. So I can use the Alpha Stim while we're still doing brain spotting. And I can use the Alpha Stim while I'm doing talk therapy because it's just a, a tool and an aid. And so what it is, is the, the fancy name for it is it is a cranial electrotherapy stimulator. And so it has little little clips that plug into a machine and the clips actually clip onto your earlobes just like little clip-on earrings would. And what happens is when I turn the machine on, it sends little little electrical pulses from one ear to the other and it communicates to the different brain waves in your brain. And what it does is it tries to communicate with different brain waves at different frequencies at different times, and it reduces and balances out those brain waves a little bit more. And so the end result is it's utilized and, and proven effective to help decrease anxiety. It works with insomnia, and then it also has proven effective to decrease depression. So kind of three things that I feel like almost every person who walks through my door struggles with in some way, shape or form. And so with very, very minimal to no side effects, which is the cool part. So unlike a lot of medications, unfortunately, that people struggle with as they go through that is I have in my seven years of using it, I've had one person who had a side effect that was unwanted. Um, and using it. And so it's just a really cool tool that we get to have and that honestly that people can even buy themselves. Um, if you buy the actual Alpha Stim brand, you do have to have a prescription per se for it, but that's something that I even I can write and or doctors can write and things like that. But it can be used 
I've had some athletes who will use it before every game because they just brings that kind of edge off and it brings them down. So you want to have some nerves and anxiety before performances, but not so much that you're, you know, unable to focus or perform to your best. And so I have some people who had naturally really, really, really high pregame anxiety. And so they throw it on in the locker room before they'd even get out there and they'd go out and they'd perform because they're not even thinking it brought them down just enough to where they they got out of their head and they're able to just go versus think. Um, I've had clients use it at uh, like doctor's offices or dentist visits. So anybody who has like medical procedure anxiety, I've had them throw it on while they're getting their procedures done because it just takes again that edge off. I've had people who can't sleep, it really helps calm you down right before bed and kind of shuts that brain down a little bit if you ever struggle with overthinking or racing thoughts right before bed. And so it's really, I've had people come off of medications using it because they use it frequently enough and consistently enough that it's actually changed the dynamics of their brain enough that their medications were no longer needed or necessary. So it's, it's a little tiny, like handheld palm sized machine, but it is another really powerful resource and tool. Sounds powerful. That's what I was thinking yeah. while you were talking about it. Absolutely. Awesome. Cool. So is there anything else? I know we've got a little time stuff. Is there anything else you want us to know about what you're doing? Um, or what people, you want anything else that you want people to know about? Yeah. I mean, I think we covered the, the yeah. bare bones, the kind of basics of everything of I'm doing mental health. And so obviously just anybody who's ever struggling, you know, like I said in the beginning, don't wait, go go see something, especially right now, because unfortunately the world of mental health is congested mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, I think myself and almost everybody I know is full or, or almost full with clients. And so right. you're better off starting your search, starting to think about it and get ideas now than waiting until you're on fire because it might be too late and you're going to have a hard time getting in or getting started. And so the more you can be proactive, like we said, the the better. Um, but yeah, so the mental health side of things is, is there and don't wait because you just never know when all of a sudden what you thought you had in terms of resiliency just kind of snaps and, and now you're struggling even harder than you ever imagined. And I hate seeing anybody get to that point. And then athletes, same thing is don't wait until until you're in a slump or until you're struggling with your performances. There's mental skills to be taught, whether through brain spotting or just regular old talking is there's skills on focus, on concentration, on motivation. There's ways to improve all of those things, visualization, imagery, all that stuff is stuff that I work on and teach people because it improves your mental side of the game. I mean, I think it was, I want to say it was Yogi Berra who has that famous quote of, you know, sports are 90% uh, mental, Mm. 10% physical. And it's so true. I would rather have a kid who will practice mental skills training all day long before practicing physical skills, because you're going to be a better athlete. There's just no, there's no denying it. So that's kind of just the only other plug that I can give is, is don't wait. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And there's no shame in admitting it. Like we all got it. Like yep. everybody deals with it and things are heightened. So like there's that stigma around it and just know you're not alone. Like don't think you're the only person out there that's dealing with that stuff because you're not. Nope. And don't think there's anything wrong with you for dealing with that. Like go right. get the help because we've all got stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And who there's can't no be shame better? I mean, yeah. that's the best piece I say is everybody can be better. There's no such thing as perfect. So there's Absolutely. no point in not trying Absolutely. Awesome. 
Well, I got a few quick questions for you. Um, the first one being, what would be your favorite health-related book? Let's, let's say that. All right. Loosely. Um, health is a loose term. All right, all right. So I have two of them. I don't know that I can pick between them, so I'm going to mm -hmm. give you two. So one is going to really dive into the concept that I think I've been kind of pushing, which is the body being kind of a sponge and taking in everything, which a lot of people don't really understand that concept. Um, and so that book is, I believe it is called The Body Keeps a Score by Bessel okay. van der Kolk. And it really, it goes into the science. So you, if you want science and you want facts and, and proven things, it goes into the science of just that, of how your body keeps score on everything. So every experience, good, bad, or indifferent, how your body hangs on to that and the effects of that, of what that then looks like, you know, good, bad, and indifferent in different symptoms, different, you know, ideals, things that come out. So that one I've used a million times with people who've experienced any type of trauma to help them understand just what's going on for their bodies physically and their mind and how they connect and go together. Um, so that would be one. And then the other one is going to be the, uh, the other topic we preach so much about and still focused on that brain-body connection. And it is a book by Dr. David Grand, as well as Ellen Goldberg, who developed brain's body and it's called this is your brain on sports and it's beating blocks slumps and performance anxiety for good so it's got it's got a little brain on the front there nice. but it is all about that concept of trauma in sports and trauma is used loosely because everybody defines it differently but it's talking about you know yeah striking out three times in front of a sellout crowd that's traumatic like you're getting booed all of these things so things from you know humiliation and failures and defeats to you took a 90 mile an hour pitch to the head like that's traumatic all of these things and it talks about how all of that stuff is again dealt with through brain spotting and just how brain spotting can work in all of those different reactions with sports and performance. And so it really gives a good overview and gets into detail of how all of those things play out and work together too. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to have to check those out. I wrote those down. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite health related activity to do? Oh, I mean, I have to, I feel like I have to stick with it. I mean, I've been playing hockey since I was there. So I figured. I don't say hockey. I feel like I'm cheating, but, uh, yeah. Hockey's a big one, but honestly, you put me outside doing anything and I'm happy. So, you know, I like to kayak. I like to just go on walks. I like to, I don't love running. I won't lie. Running's not my favorite, <laughs> but pretty much any type of sporting activity I'm, I'm in, even if I'm bad at it, I'm still going to do it because it's just something to do, something fun and keeps my body moving. So absolutely nice. And then what's one piece of advice that, that you haven't given enough already that you would give to somebody looking to kind of improve their lifestyle yeah uh, in any regards i would have to go with it it's one of the three pillars of mental health so so you got three pillars of mental health which is nutrition exercise and sleep and sleep is the one that i feel like we tend to neglect as a as a culture and a society because we're we're taught to go 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 and never stop never rest never settle down and so I feel like sleep gets uh, slightly destroyed and, and given up for everything else. And yet it is one of the things that with any of my clients, athletes or mental health, that if we can correct sleeping patterns and habits and hygiene and get people on a routine of, you know, go to bed roughly at the same time, wake up roughly at the same time, 
get your full, you know, eight to 10 ish hours of sleep that is recommended and really work on the habits that produce good, healthy sleep, you're going to feel completely different. There's just literally no, no doubt about it. No denying it. If you get good sleep, you're already 10 steps ahead of everybody else. Awesome. Awesome. Kathy. Well, thank you. Where can people go to contact you? Websites, social pages, what you got? Yeah. So I, I can't lie. I am the worst with social media because it is, it is just myself running my Mm -hmm. business. So to try to do blogs and podcasts, like what you guys do and everything, like I have a, I have a social media presence. I'm on Facebook. I don't check it a whole lot unless you message me. Um, but the info's out there. Um, but otherwise, honestly, I'm just a good old fashioned, let's connect. Let's, let's get together. So phone number, 920-750-6131 920-750-6131 is a good way you can call, you can text, whatever you're comfortable with. Otherwise, email is a really super easy, good source. And that's just Kathy with a C, so C-A-T-H-Y at healthyhealingsolutions.us. And so that's another just really simple. I do have a website too, which is the same thing. It's just healthyhealingsolutions.us. And that's the mental health side of things. I do have a, a sports name and number if you want that too. Um, they all funnel to the same place though. So honestly, whether you're looking for sports or mental health, you can connect to either side of it through the same things. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was super informative. Absolutely. I really appreciate okay. you taking the time out. No, thank you for having me. It's fun to teach people about things that are, are still up and coming and hopefully going to get more people on board with, with doing them themselves and getting trained in them to continue to help people as well. For sure. For sure. It was awesome. And, and we'll definitely get this information out there. And uh, again, like we appreciate you. And, and thanks again. Yeah, thanks. Take care. Have a good day. All right, guys. And we'll talk to you next time. If you would like more information about us at Movement Performance and Rehab, or information on one of our guests, or if you have a contact that would be a good guest for this podcast, please send us an email at info at mvmtgb.com. That's info at movementgb.com.